Matthew 27, verse 33. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he tasted or tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it may be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for another opportunity to preach your word. I would ask you today that each and every listener in this congregation would open their hearts, open their understanding, open their minds, get rid of the pre-adjusted bifocals, and allow you to minister to them in what you have to say to their heart, to their emotions, to their spirit, to their mind. And allow the Lord to be for your glory. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 23 of this chapter says, The governor said, What evil hath this man done? The question will never be answered, but if it could be, it would be, He's guilty. He's guilty of loving me. He's guilty of loving you. He's guilty of loving us when we didn't deserve to be loved. He's guilty of that. I want you to look at the picture of the cross today. One losing, one giving, and one gaining. One losing, one giving, and one gaining. My message title today would be Near the Cross, but Far from Christ. Near the Cross, but Far from Christ. Look at the gamblers. They didn't realize who they were Underneath, They didn't realize the power that they were so close to, but near the cross, but far from Christ. There was some dice throwing going on that day, and it went on at the foot of the cross. Can you imagine the scene? The soldiers huddled in a circle, their eyes turned downward. Those about above them were forgotten. They were gambling for some used clothing, a cloak, a pair of worn-out sandals, just some old bloody stained garments that really had no value to them. One watching so that no friends would come and steal this Jesus away. Each soldier trying to expand his wardrobe at the expense of a killed, crucified carpenter. Imagine the scene. We've heard about it. We've read about it. Some gambling. I want the cloak. I want the sandals. I'd like to have the robe. One man may have said, I want to throw the dice, but all I want is the crown that's on his head. I want to wear the crown around as a mockery. I want to hang the robe up on the door of my house as a mockery. I want the sandals to wear as a mockery. Let the people know that this man they put all their faith in and all their trust in was nothing more than a mortal man. Think about that. They were gambling for some used clothing. The soldiers had been through this routine many times. I believe it was Josephus that said, 
on any given day, since he was the historian that lived within 100 years of the day of Christ, that on any given day, 500 crucifixions could be going on on the hills around Jerusalem. 500 crucifixions going on in any single day. But today was different. Today it wasn't just anybody being crucified. For you see, it was not just another body up there. It was not just any carpenter. It was just not any man. This was Yeshua HaMashiach, Christ the Anointed. That's who they were hanging on that crucified cross this morning. Yeshua HaMashiach, Christ the Anointed. One may have said to another, why all the people? Why is everybody crying around? Why is all the people standing around? Look at the crown, my friend. Christ, the anointed. Jesus, the king of the Jews. Oh, okay, this is the one who opened blinded eyes and healed leprosy. Uh, he healed the centurion servant. Oh, yeah, I remember. I've heard about him, never met him, never seen him do anything really miraculous. So this is the, only, this is the one they call the Jesus. This, this is the one who they say can cast out evil spirits. This is the one they say that the evil spirits went into the hogs and the hogs ran off the cliff and drowned themselves. Oh, yeah, this is the one that the guy said to, to, about John that this would be the one that would bring salvation in the world. This is the one who claims to be the one that can calm the, uh, the raging seas. I want you to know that this Jesus can calm the raging seas in your life today. I want you to know that he can take care of the storms, whatever they may be in your life. Did you really, did he really heal the withered hand? They said he put the ear back on the disciple. Do you think that this really happened? I don't know if it happened or not. Anyway, give him another drink to kill the pain. Make him intoxicated or he won't be able to feel the pain. We want him to live a while and suffer. I wonder what the scene may have looked like from Jesus' point of view. As he looked down past his blood-written body, blood dripping off his toes onto the ground, blood dripping off his wrists where the spikes were, I wonder what he may have thought you see, in the Old Testament, on the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, they would crucify animals to get the sins rolled ahead for another year. Every year on this Jewish festival, they would roll these sins ahead. Never could get them eliminated. Never could get them taken care of. Just moved down the road. And we know now that moving down the road was to open up a new covenant relationship that we have today in the New Testament church. We know that today, but... One writer said that on the Day of Atonement, they would fill up as many as 30 boxcars of blood on that one single day. I'm glad to know today that just one drop from Calvary. One drop from Calvary took care of all my sins. One drop from Calvary took away all, all the wrong that I did in my life. Just one drop. I don't have to go before a high priest any longer and offer up my bullocks or my turtle doves or my pigeons. I don't have to make sure that I take the firstling out of my flock and I offer that. I don't have to do that no more because the Bible tells me that the veil was rent from top to bottom and I got clear and full access into the presence of God. Thank God that when I'm at home and when I'm on the job or if I'm driving my car, 
if I'm doing dishes at the sink or I'm just laying in the bed, I got to write. I don't have to have a worship service. I don't have to get up and read my Bible, but I got full access into the throne of God where I can call up on his name and he comes to be as close as the mention of his name. Thank God that we have that opportunity today. Thank God that this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank God that this is a God that I don't have to rub his belly to get anything out of him. He's a God that I don't have to pay money to. Oh, he is a God that says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And he did that at Calvary. Hallelujah. He wanted, he would see the circles of gamblers. Do you see them? And here one says, hurry up. It's my turn to throw. Here are common soldiers witnessing the world's most uncommon event and did not even know it. Near the cross, but far from Christ. We have people today that come to church, not only this church, but many churches around the world today, since this is the Constantine's first day of the week, Sunday. And they come to church, and they come and they leave unaffected in the Word of God. I'm tired of coming to church and not being stirred. I'm tired of coming to church and leaving with no things changed in my life. I come to church sometimes and say, God, I'm bringing my burden. I'm bringing my, 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 my uh, upsetness to you. I'm bringing my heartaches to you, and, and I'm expecting you to come and do something and somewhere between the car, and we come in and sit in the pew, and somewhere during worship service, we lose that mentality. We lose that eagerness. We lose that expectation for God to do something in our life. Maybe somebody said something. Maybe somebody did something. Somebody sat in my seat. Somebody sung my song, somebody didn't shake my hand, whatever it is that deterred me from getting what my mind was made up for when I was on my way to church. I need to get that back. The only way I'm going to get it back is I have my mind made up that when I walk in these doors, if I don't talk to nobody, that's okay. But I'm coming with one thing on my mind, and that is to get where I need to be with God, to draw close to God, because I'm tired of gambling with my salvation. I don't want to gamble. I don't want to cast dice for whether I get anything today or not. I don't want to throw, throw the stones out to see, well, are you going to get it? Are you going to feel anything today? Uh, are you going to get baptized today? Are you going to receive reunion and the Holy Ghost today? I don't want to do that. I want to come with a made-up purpose and a made-up mind that I'm coming because I don't know if I'll get another chance. Near the cross, but far from Christ. Just another day on the job to them. Just another criminal hanging on a cross to them. Hurry up. It's my turn. Heads ducked, eyes down, cross forgotten. I wonder if any really heard the words of the cries from the cross that day or what was spoken. Father, forgive them. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I remember somebody preaching this message years ago on that thought. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And the thief said, remember me. Remember me. That word remember goes back four generations. And that word remember means to put me back together like I should be. 
It's not to remember my grocery list. It's not to remember my, well, I got to get my car fixed. It's not to remember to get them, take the kids to school or pick. It's nothing that, that kind of remembering. The remembering he's talking about here is remember me like Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. I, I've fallen off the wall with God. I, I don't know where I'm at half the time. I don't, I don't have any sense of direction. But if you could ever just put me back together like I need to be, I'll come to an altar. I'll give myself into you. I'll sanctify myself. I'll do whatever I I need to do. I'll get baptized. I'll, I, I, I'll let that name apply to my life. I don't mind going through whatever it takes. I'll fast. I'll pray. I'll give. I'll do whatever it takes to get myself remembered. I want put back together. Here's what every person in here today has probably got something that God needs to put back together in your life. We've all probably got some joy that we'd like to get back. We probably all got some worship we'd like to be able to get back. We probably all got some teardrops that we'd like to get back. We probably all got some neology that we'd like to find somewhere along the line. We probably all have a loved one that we'd like to remember that we need to pray for them and we need to, to sacrifice some time in them and for them in prayer to get back to the place God needs them to be. But I don't want to play Russian roulette with God. I don't want to just cast the stones out there and gambling on what I can get and what I can't get. I want to make sure, Father, forgive. Thou shalt remember me. Woman, behold thy son. He gave his, his mother to John. And John, this is your mother. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I thirst, it is finished, Father, into thy hands. They were too occupied to hear the cry. I wonder if he still sees that nails in his hands, the blood falling off his face each time I behave badly. I wonder if he still feels the pain of the cross each time my actions are not up to par. I wonder if he still feels it in the places I go and the things I do and the way I live. See, I want more than just to be accepted by you. I want to be I live a life that's acceptable unto him. Am I really any different than the gamblers because I gamble with my salvation? Am I really any different than the, than the gamblers at the foot of the cross when I get the opportunity and I come to church and I feel the tug of the Holy Ghost to pull me to go pray, to pull me to get baptized, to pull me to receive the Holy Ghost, to pull me to do something nice for God. When I feel that and I reject that and I grieve that in my life, am I any different than the gamblers? Come on, I, I, I want to I want, I pray today, but I don't want people looking at me. I, I, I want to jump and shout, but I don't want people to look at me. I, I want to I I do something great for God today. I've come with an expectation and with the ability to do get something and do something for God great today. But I come into the service and something hinders my walk. But why? Because you're throwing dice. You're gambling on what you feel you need from the Lord. You're just gambling. Are you near the cross but far from God? Are you looking away, your eyes cast down, waiting on your turn to cast the dice? Give him another drink of the vinegar. But no, he would not drink. I want to feel your pain and your suffering. He needed to feel 
the weight of your sins, and he did for you. He needed to feel your pain. He needed to feel your emptiness. He saw the void in your life. He needed to be in the right mind without intoxication in order to hear your cry. But we are so intoxicated with life that we can't hear his cry. And when he says, come unto me, ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Where are you? How far from him are you today with the intoxication of this life? The intoxication of not having a committed prayer life. The intoxication of not having a committed Bible reading life. The intoxication of not being faithful to the house of God in my giving. The world has an intoxication out there that he's just willing to give to the church. The Satan's willing to dump into your lap, dump into your mind because he doesn't want you to allow him to lose the grip he has around you. He wants that grip. Where are you? Are you the one standing and casting? Are you near him but far away? Are you so intoxicated with self and self-desires that you don't feel the pain for you? They did not know who Jesus really was. So let me describe him to you just in case you have forgotten or you don't know. For those who are gambling today, let me re remind you who Jesus is. I could probably tell you a thousand reasons why I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his dual nature and his blood. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He is the lily of the valley that you go through. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. The Bible says he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the first and the last. He said his name was Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know what Jesus is to you, but to me he is everything. I don't care if they take my house. I don't care if they take my job. I don't care if they take my account. I don't care if they take my vehicles, but I'm not going to allow them to take Jesus. Jesus without a fight. I'm going to fight for what's mine, and he's mine in my life. He's mine. He's the one that preserves me. He's the one that has saved me many times when, when dev devastation was coming into my life. He was the one that saved me when the tractor and uh, tire came off the front of that rig, and we could have went over the hill for thousands of feet, but he kept us straight on the highway. He was the one that healed my back. He was the one that filled my lungs to have a new lungs as a baby, the doctor said, from the from the COVID. He was the one that touched my son when he had an aneurysm and brought him back and, and didn't take any life from him and said there's no aneurysm in there any longer. He is the one that I serve. This Jesus that said I will do in you what you can't do for yourself. Hallelujah. What a God. What a God. He is my healer when I'm sick. He is my strength when I am weak. He is my help when I'm in trouble. The Bible says he is the rock and on weary land. He was the cloud on Mount Sinai, the whirlwind that sat down on the mountain. A cloud twisting like a tornado inside that cloud. A voice began to thunder forth and began to uh, shake the very ground that they were standing on as he communed with God and the children of Israel. He was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He was the word that came to Jeremiah. He was the fire shut up in the bones of the prophet. He was the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He was a double portion to the man Elijah. He was a prophecy to Joel. He was a voice that came walking in the cool of the day. 
Is he still that voice today that you listen to? Listen, what he said to to Adam, where art thou, Adam? Adam's hiding behind a rock, wherever he was at. He wasn't asking where Adam was at. He knew where he was at. He was saying, where are we at in our relationship? And that's the same thing God is asking us today. Where are we at in our relationship? We had a good relationship. We'd had a better relationship. But where are we at in our relationship today in 2023? Where are we at in our relationship? I've given you things. I've done things for you. I went beyond the call to bring you into the family of God. So where are we at in our relationship? Do we have an open door policy going on here? I haven't heard from you in quite a while. I haven't seen you in quite a while. You haven't read my word in quite a while. So where are we at in our relationship? That's a question we should be asking ourselves almost every day. Where are we at? Where are we at? This voice is the same cried out. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the rod on the hand of Moses. So much power in that rod that the waters held back the people walked across on dry ground. Who is God, this Jesus that we talk so much about? To so many people, he's just a name that is mentioned on Sunday morning or Sunday night or a name that is mentioned wrongly. But he's more than just a passing name. I believe is this Jesus, this name of Jesus, will come to you on the job in an hour of need. One that will be with you in the hour of sickness and raise you up. I remember as a boy, my brother woke up with lips swelled. I mean swelled. He had an allergic reaction to something. His ears were swollen. Lips were swollen, almost to the point of bursting open. Eyes were swollen shut, and he had a reaction to something. He wasn't very old, real little boy, maybe four, five, six years old. And and I remember mom went in there and began to pray for him. She took some, she took some. uh, We didn't have any olive oil, but she had some Crisco. You all remember Crisco? She took that Crisco, and you put it in your hands, and it melts a little bit. And she took that Crisco and went in there, and, and I was standing there, and I was scared to death. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was, I was only a couple of years older or so. I, I didn't know what was going on, but I remember her taking that Crisco oil and putting it on his eyes and his ears and his lips, and she began to pray. And she says, God, if you can hear me, do something for this boy. We don't know what happened to him. We don't, we don't understand what happened and she just began to pray and speak in tongues. And, 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 and as a, a young boy, I was scared to death because she was speaking in tongues, and I never heard that before. And it scared me what was going on, but it wasn't just a little bit of time. You see, God moves in miraculous ways. See, when, you, when your relationship is where it needs to be with God, and he knows who you are, you know who he is, and, and it wasn't very long at all that the eyes opened up, and the, within an hour, the swelling went down, and the ears began to come back to normal size, and, 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 and she never did figure out, I never did know what happened, but she said he had a re, uh, an allergic reaction to something, but that, that's the power of God. See, sometimes just knowing the name of Jesus 
mention his name. Sometimes, moms, you don't, you don't have time to call the doctor. Sometimes you don't have time to get a hold of dad. Sometimes he won't wake up anyway. Sometimes you can't, don't have time to, 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 to run to the medicine cabinet. Sometimes all you can do is put your hand on him and plead the blood because our relationship is where it needs to be. Somebody's not doing any gambling when God comes on the scene like that. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. Amen? Amen. He's not just a passing name. I believe he, that he has a name that's above every name, one that will be there in an hour of need. This should make us want to lift our hands and praise him more often than we should, than we do. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the Word from the beginning. He was the one that when you can find hope, he led you through the way. When you couldn't find a door to get open, he was that door. When you could not find your way back, he became the light for you. When you could not, did not know which way was heaven, he showed you the way. He was the only king in this life that stepped out of the grave himself as a sacrifice for you so that eternal life might be yours. Buddha didn't do that. Mohammed couldn't do that and took you back from the clutches of Satan. Satan has told some of you, I'm going to get you, I'm going to put you down, God doesn't love you, and you're not where you need to be with God, and you make me happy, and I'm not releasing my grip on you. But Satan, you've forgotten one thing. Stronger is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan thinks he's going to win because Christ was crucified on the cross. But really all that happened was Satan was a pawn on the chessboard of life. And God trumped him and said, checkmate. Checkmate. You lost, Satan. You lost. You lost. And you're going to continue losing. And you're going to continue losing. Because I read the back of the book. And the back of the book says we win. And he loses in this life. Amen. I know who Jesus is. I know how to tap into his power source because my power source is greater than his. He runs on 110. I run on 440. He may get up to 220, but he still don't have the power I have at 440 volts going through me with the Holy Ghost, if you know what I'm talking about there. Jesus overcame, and so can I. Who is this Jesus? Man has battled with him and belittled him in the pulpit. They make him a little dying, bleeding lamp. Does that look like a little dying and bleeding lamb to you? That looks like a savior. That looks somebody on a mission. Christian science says Jesus is the human man and Christ is a divine idea. Spiritualism says Christ himself was nothing more than a medium of high order. Jehovah Witness says, not Jehovah God, we know that God of the Old Testament Jesus of the New Testament Armstrongism believes Jesus was conceived by Mary and was not the Son of God. Norm, uh, Mormonism says they believe that Jesus was not the only begotten of the Son of God. The Unification Church. As a man, Jesus was no different from us except for the fact that he was without original sin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. When you were sinking low... And so far down in sin, and Satan had so much of a bound on you and such a clutch on you and such a grip on you, depression, poverty, and pain, heavy, heaviness in your heart, heaven and earth was searching for a way for you to get out, and they found it. I want you to know Jesus is the bondage breaker. 
He is the bondage breaker. The Holy One came for the unholies. The God came for the bad. The healer came for the sick. The high and lofty one came for those who were down in the gutters. Who is this Jesus? He is the Lamb of God. He hung on a tree that we might be saved. He was buried, laid in a tomb, and rose on the third day. Are you searching for that Jesus today? John said, when he was on the Isle of Pappas, he looked around. The trees and grass could not grow. There was a prophet of God called John the Revelator. Got in the spirit on the uh, Lord's day. He said, he heard a voice behind him that sounded like a trumpet. He said, I turned and saw one likened to the Son of God. He was walking in the midst of the candlesticks. He said, John, I, I'm alive forevermore, and I've got the key to hell and the death. Who is this Jesus? He is the Lord, the Redeemer, our Savior, and our God. Jesus is more than just a man. He is the soon-coming King. So if you believe all that today, then why are we still casting lots for our salvation? Let's just throw them out there. Well, I'm not willing to give this up. Let me just gamble a little bit. I've been here and he's been coming all my life. I got a little bit of time. Let me, let me gamble here. I, I don't want to give this part of my flesh up. So let me just throw the dice. I, I, I'm not willing to sacrifice everything that I should. So let me just throw the dice and hope that I got another day. I'm young. I'm a teenager. I've got my whole life ahead of me. You need to read the obituaries. Let me cast another lot. I paid my dues. I'm old. I've got a lot of corn in the crib. I can gamble for a little bit. I know how to get back to God. I know how to get a hold of Him. I know how to pray through. But while you're gambling, He could be coming. What about the blood? What does the blood do? The blood pays for our sins so we don't have to. His blood bought us. The blood justifies us before this holy God. But the blood redeems us. There's three Greek words, agrazio, exagrazio, and luthro. Agrazio, I'm purchased. I'm on an auction block of sin. Exagrazio, somebody paid a price for me and brought me off that auction block. Luthro, I have the guarantee if I stay in line with God that I don't have to go back to that auction block ever again. That's redemption. That's being redeemed. When we sing the song, I've been redeemed, oh uh, God divine, oh glory, glory, Christ is mine. I, we need to understand that I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I don't know how that song goes really, but that's close enough. The blood brought us Gentiles into a relationship with God that we don't ha didn't have before. The blood brought the Jews and the Gentiles together in the right relationship with God. The blood brought peace into my life where there wasn't. The blood purged my conscience from dead works. The blood allows us to enter into his presence. The blood sanctifies us and cleanses us and washes away our sin. The blood will cause you to overcome the world. How many is a witness to that, that the blood will cause you to overcome the world? In order to be a child of God, there's some things that we have to do. We all know what they are, but we don't always implement the things that we need to do for the Lord. 
You may be a new person here tonight or today. I don't know where you're at. Anybody's at on their walk with the Lord. But you may have repented. You may have been baptized, but you haven't got the Holy Ghost yet. Or you've got the Holy Ghost, but you haven't been baptized yet. Or you may not have done any of the three. Well, let me tell you what repentance is, because even us folks that have had the Holy Ghost for a number of years, we still don't really understand what repentance is, and we really don't understand what remission of sin is. When I repent, I turn 180 degrees from God or from the world, and I go towards God. The problem is a lot of us only go halfway. Why? Because I don't want to really lose what I've got back here, but I really want to gain what I can gain over here. So my repentance is not really genuine. And so my remission, when I'm baptized in the water, I'm really not getting remission of sins, even though I'm getting baptized because I really truly haven't repented yet in a lot of areas of my life. I really haven't done an about face. I've only done a partial because I keep hanging on. I don't want to lose my connection totally back here, but I really want to get connected with God up here. And that's why a lot of times when we're serving the Lord, we, got, we fight battles all the time because we keep gambling on what we've had back here and we keep gambling where we're going to keep what we got up here and we don't really know which way to go. And remission of sin is that when you totally turn to God and you totally repent of your sins, the remission of sins is that I do not have to pay the penalty for what my life was in the past. What a great God. What a great deal. All I've got to do is truly repent. And everything that's happened to me in the past, he forgets about. So when you bring up what you did last week, he says, I don't even know what you're talking about, son. I don't know what you're talking about, daughter. I, I forgive you of all that stuff. But Satan don't. Satan wants to bring it back to you every day of your life. He wants to keep bringing back what you said, what you did, where you're at. You're unworthy. God doesn't love you. But he wants you to keep gambling with your salvation. That's his objective. But every time we truly repent over something, every time we ask God to forgive us, every time we pray through to the Holy Ghost, Satan loses a little more grip in our lives. He loses a little more grip. Musicians, if you'd come, please. He loses a little more grip. So the question is today, do I throw you the dice? Who wants the dice? Let me just cast them to you. Here. You play with them a little bit. That makes me same in the same qualification as the Roman soldiers as they gambled. Though you may not be gambling for the cloak. You may not be gambling for the, uh, the shoes. You may not be gambling for the crown. But you're gambling for something a whole lot more valuable. Your salvation. Your salvation. Your salvation. 